And tonight we actually wrap up our series on Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. I have really enjoyed this. I've, I've learned a lot in my preparation for the series. And so hopefully I have passed that information on to you because we've looked at our physical bodies and how our physical bodies point to the body of Christ and God's plan for his church. Then we looked at the structure of the body and that was the bones and how the bones provide structure and we're a part of the body of Christ and his bones were not broken. You can go back and listen to these. And then we looked at the covering of the body, which is the skin. And then we looked at the lifeline of the body last week, which is the blood. And tonight we wrap up our series with, on Fearfully and Wonderfully Made with this topic of the breath of life. And so the bones, the skin, the blood, and now the breath of life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, God, for everyone who's here. Lord, who's watching online, God, we pray for Josh and Rachel and Hudson, Lord, their baby boy that was just born, that your hand would be upon him. You have already been doing a work since he was born uh, late last night, and so we ask that you continue. Lord Jesus, touch his little lungs, God, give mom and dad peace, Lord Jesus, and help Rachel to have complete recovery from her C-section, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Lord, and speak to us tonight through your word, in your name. And everyone said, that was weak. Let's try it again. And everyone said, come on, it's midweek, but we need some life. Yes. Every single one of us. You ready for this? I already touched on this in Easter, so I'm continuing in the same vein. Every one of us live right now, right now, we're all five to six minutes from death. Not that we're literally going to die tonight, but I just talked about this on Easter, so that's a great opening line, I understand. But it's 100% true. Our existence depends on our access to oxygen. Our existence depends on our access to oxygen. All right? It's the fuel that keeps our vital fires burning. On an average day, Everybody go like this. How's it feel in a mask? I know. As you do that, your lungs are filling with oxygen and releasing carbon dioxide. And each time your lungs expand and contract, in an average day, 17,000 times. 17,000 times. That's enough to ventilate a medium-sized room or to blow up several thousand party balloons. Has anyone ever had the task of preparing for a birthday party and blowing up balloons? Anyone? Raise your hand if that was you, okay? Did you ever get to the point where you were doing it and you were like, I don't know if I'm physically capable of finishing this job. And you blow and blow, and then all of a sudden your, your head gets a little bit lightheaded because you've been just blowing so much. Well, we, we take in enough oxygen to blow up several thousand party balloons in a given day. Any slight change in effort, such as climbing stairs or running for a bus, can double our demand for oxygen. Has anyone ever done that, right? Just uh, running after a little one or coming up the stairs or, 
or, or just whatever it is. I remember in, in college, I took a sports enhancement class. And, and it was this two-credit class. Long story, I never would have taken it, but I managed to get into one because the College of Letters and Science signed off on me taking it to graduate, and it was wonderful because I'd rather take a two-credit sports enhancement class than some chemistry class or something. And so, um, so in that class, it was talking about the way your body and, uh, reacts and exercise and metabolic rates and all this good stuff. And he said, he had an exercise bike in front of the class. And he said, I need someone fit and healthy to just simply come and ride the bike. Nobody raised their hand. So he looked at me and he said, Will you, you look like you're fit and healthy. Will you come and ride this bike? I'll give you extra credit. I was like, done. Yeah, no problem. So I went up there. And he's like, just, just start pedaling, just real slow, just start. And so I'm just like, okay, you know, the whole class is watching, and I'm just moving my feet. And then he just keeps lecturing. And I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing? And he's like, no, 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 keep going. I'm like, okay. So he says, now just start to go a little faster. So I'm just pedaling a little bit faster. And he just keeps lecturing. And he goes, now push harder, harder. And so I just keep pedaling to the point where he's like, go as fast as you can, come on. And so I'm like just pedaling, and he's just lecturing. He's just lecturing. And I'm pedaling on this stationary bike. Then he says, everybody take note. Do you see how the coloring in his face is starting to change? He says, keep pushing, keep pushing. He says, everyone, do you notice how he's, you're starting to see little beads of perspiration form on his forehead? At this point, I'm like, man, this better be extra credit for, like, all my classes this semester. And he's like, do you notice his breathing is becoming more labored? And, and you see me as, as I'm, they're watching my shoulders, and they're watching me breathe, and, and, and they're watching me sweat. My face is turning red and all that. And he just had me, it felt like forever that he had me ride this bike as he lectured away. And then he finally let me sit down. Which at that point, my heart's racing, I'm sweaty, I'm adding this college course, and I'm like, I'm an idiot. And, but I did get extra credit, but then I didn't even need it because it was such an easy class, which was dumb in itself. But it was all about, he was teaching that night about the way the oxygen works in our body and the way our body begins to respond as we exercise and, and exert ourselves and push ourselves. And, and, and it's, it's this beautiful thing that God gave us called lungs, and we're seeing that. I mean, I've never been in a point where I was so short of breath that I was scared that something might happen. But we know that that's a real thing. With COVID going around, that's one of the things that it attacks is the lungs. And so a good friend of mine in Wisconsin, um, it's a real thing. He had posted when he was going into the hospital, and he talked about how he couldn't breathe. And unfortunately, he never came out. And that that capacity to breathe, that's a... That's a scary thing if you can't, can't catch your breath, right? But God gave us these amazing organs inside of us that allow us to go ahead and do that again. That oxygen comes in and all these parts of our body need that oxygen. And Receptors scattered around the body constantly monitor oxygen and carbon dioxide to determine the ideal rate 
Because remember, the main text of this series has been what? In Psalms, Psalm 139, 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Everything we've talked about points to this incredible, intelligent creator that formed our bone structure and our blood and our oxygen, our entire body, our skin. He's an amazing creator. But we're not here just studying like, wow, if I was, if, if I was here to teach you science and this was a science series, I absolutely would not be the person teaching this seminar. We have nurses here. I would have had someone else teach this. But it's incredible the way that our bodies, God designed our bodies, and how it reflects spiritually his desire for the, the body of Christ. And so, uh, right from the beginning of time, God chose to use breath and oxygen to, to, to bring life. You look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, way back in the beginning, it says, The Lord God formed man of the dust in the ground, uh, dust of the ground. He could have stopped there. He formed and gave him life. But it says, as he formed him, what did he choose to do? He said he formed him from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Notice that as he formed him, it sounds to me based on that, that you have this human man, but there was no life in his body until God breathed life into him. So here you have this man that he created, but life did not enter. He did not become a living soul until after God breathed into him. Okay? And so that's the beginning of time, the breath that God brought physical life into a body. But then you go into the New Testament. And a Pharisee named Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and he start asking, starts asking about new birth. Okay, yeah, I understand that birth. Yes, at the beginning of time, you breathed life, and, I, and we became living souls because of the breath that you breathed into us. And that's why even, even today, Josh and Rachel, we just talked about Hudson, and they're monitoring him. Why? Because there was a concern about lungs, because lungs are crucial to our existence. And so the Pharisee, uh, he comes to Jesus, wants to know about new birth. And John records it in John 3. It says, there was a man, a Pharisee, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus by nighttime and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do the miracles that thou doest except for God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, and truly, truly, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, you got to imagine if you, you know, if you're not theological like you are here today and understand this passage, the first time you heard this, you would be like Nicodemus going, what did you just say? And so Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old? Do you like go into your mom's womb a second time? That doesn't make any sense. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so he's talking about new birth, and he associates it with water and spirit. And he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And so notice, he's talking about there's a spiritual new birth, and there is a physical birth. 
And he says, don't be shocked by this. Marvel not that I'm telling you, you have to be born again. And then what does he compare it to? He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Notice, Jesus connects new birth to the Spirit. And he connects his Spirit to the wind, to the air, the air we breathe. And, and, and Jesus, he goes to the cross, and after his resurrection, he shows up to his disciples, and he says something, and, and something transpires very interesting after the resurrection. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them, again, peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. But then look at verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now leave that up. Now, again, if you don't look at the context of the whole Bible, that's just a really strange passage. I mean, imagine your friend coming up to you and going, oh, my Lord, I've missed you. And they just are like, <sighs> now, if you're watching online, this is my wife. You'd be like, man, you better back up off me. What you breathing on me for? But it says the Lord walked up and he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Ghost. What in the world is the purpose of that? That seems a little odd, just a little bit strange. Well, I think we need to look at the context of the word. In the Old Testament, when God breathed on someone, it initiated physical life. We read that. Genesis 2-7. Man is made from the dust of the ground, but he does not become a living soul until God breathed breath of life into his nostrils. God called these disciples, but there was not a spiritual life that was about to take place until they received the Holy Ghost, and he was breathing on them again, saying, it's time now to have a spiritual new birth. I'm getting ready to breathe spiritual life into your body. I'm getting ready to, in Genesis 2, God breathed on someone in an initiated physical life, but now when God breathes on someone, the Bible records it as new spiritual life. And notice the spiritual new birth was connected to being filled with the Holy Ghost, and being filled with His Spirit brings life. It brings new birth. At least that's the way Jesus Himself describes it to Nicodemus. And what Jesus was saying here was that the precursor, that it, the, the, the spirit, it was getting ready to happen in just a short amount of time. But remember this, last week we looked on Wednesday night about the lifeline of the body, the blood. And then Friday, last Friday was Good Friday, and Sunday was Resurrection Sunday. But do you know what happens 50 days after the resurrection? It was a feast of Pentecost. It was a Jewish holiday where people would gather from all over and they would come to Jerusalem and they would be there for a special feast day. But Jesus says it, it was on this day of Pentecost that now the wind begins to blow again. When you go to the book of Acts chapter 2, it says when that day of Pentecost, that feast day, when it was come, they were all in one accord in one place. So there, here they are. The church is there. There's 120 of them. They're there. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven 
as of a rushing, mighty wind. This is not just some strange explanation of trying to like put where, why is that recorded in the Bible? Well, because Luke was just trying to give us a picture of the wind. No, no, no. When you look back and see in Genesis 2, the man was created, but life, he did not become a living soul until God breathed the breath of life into his body. Then you go to the New Testament. He says, uh, after my resurrection, I'm going to breathe on you because receive the Holy Ghost. It does not say that they began to speak in tongues and receive the Spirit right there, but it was a precursor to what was getting ready to happen. And now, isn't it interesting that when he says to Nicodemus, hey, marvel not that I said you must be born again. Let me give you, a, let me give you an example. The wind blows where it wants to blow. You hear the sound thereof, and he starts to compare his spirit and new birth to the wind. Now, all of a sudden, they, he says, wait in that upper room. The day of Pentecost arrives, and in that spirit that, that he was telling them, I breathed on you, just like I breathed on Adam, and there was physical life. I'm breathing on you, and guess what? There's about to be spiritual new birth. He says, wait in the upper room, and as they wait, a sound comes from heaven. And what does it sound like? It sounds like Wind, air, breath, it sounds like oxygen. It sounds like there's just a, a blowing. And it fills the house where they're sitting. And what happens? There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. The one that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive this spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues because that's the New Testament method that, that is evidence or, or it, it shows that God has filled us with his spirit. But we remember last Wednesday, Christ's blood was not only shed, it was shared. And then we celebrated his resurrection and how he defeated death, hell, and the grave on, on Sunday. But the next event on his agenda was him giving new life and new birth to his people here on earth. And so if we've never been filled with the Spirit, if you're here or watching online, you've never been filled with the Spirit, don't just remember the cross. Don't just celebrate the resurrection and how he defeated death, hell, and the grave. God wants to give you new life. He's still breathing on his people life into their body. And so he wants to finish what he started he, 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 he breathed the breath of life, and Adam, Adam became a physical soul. Now he wants to breathe the breath of life into his church and watch them become a spiritual soul, just like what he tells Nicodemus. And so he had a plan when he went to Calvary, and the plan did not end with an empty tomb. The empty tomb is amazing, and this is beautiful the way this is lined up, and God did it. I'm not even smart enough to do this, okay? Last Wednesday, it just so happened I was talking about the blood. That was not intentional. God had this whole thing lined up where last Wednesday we're talking about the blood, Easter hits, and we're talking about the resurrection, and then we wrap up this series talking about the, 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 him breathing upon his church and then receiving the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's his plan. It's the way that it's laid out in Scripture. And so I don't want to stop at an empty tomb. I thank God for the cross. Without it, we're in trouble. I thank God for the empty tomb. Without it, we're in trouble. But that's not where it stops. That set the stage for him to say, I'm going to breathe on you just like I breathed on Adam. Wait in the upper room and watch what's getting ready to happen. Whoa, is that wind? Yep, the wind starts blowing. Oxygen enters the room. And he says, I'm breathing on you now and receive the Holy Ghost. The breath of God started life on this earth. 
But by the New Testament, the breath of God is looking to change the life on this earth. You see, in the Old Testament, when the sins of humankind got out of control, God would just say, "Uh, I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood. Build a boat. I'm going to save you people. Uh, Saving your family. Build that boat. Get on it. And boom. Destroy the rest. Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what? The sins of the people are terrible. I'm sending the angels to get the righteous out. And fire and brimstone on the city. Let's start over. I thank God that he's not doing that right now. Now, Scripture talks about in the last days that he will... He will destroy the earth with fire. It's going to happen. But right now we're in this time of grace where he's reaching out to us, where he's saying, build the boat, where he's saying, angels, hey, get out of the land of sin. Get yourself right. But I love it in the New Testament. God says, instead of just starting over, let me breathe on humanity once again. In the Old Testament, I breathed on Adam and he brought and he became a living soul. But instead of destroying them in the Old Testament, I'm going to robe myself in flesh. I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to defeat death, hell, and the grave and walk out of a tomb. But then I'm going to pour, I'm going to breathe on humanity again. And I'm going to put my spirit inside of them so that I don't just start over. Instead, I change, I change the, I change humanity. This time, it's not just about a physical beginning. It's about new birth and new life. And he says, instead of destroying humanity, I'm going to empower them to overcome the sin that they're caught up in. Well, how can you do that? The animal sacrifice didn't work in the, in the religious tradition of washing and cleansing and going in and, and, and pouring blood on the mercy. It just didn't seem to work. They just kept going back to it. And he says, you know what? No, no, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take on flesh. I'm going to be the sacrifice. But then I'm not just going to pay for their past sins. I'm going to breathe on them again so that moving forward, they can be overcomers. And the only way that they can do that is to literally have my spirit within them. The spirit that God wants to fill us with, it's more than just joining a church or a denominational teaching. This is, this is scripture that, that changes our life, that allows us to walk in his way. And when God would move on humanity throughout the Bible, it always included oxygen, air, and breath. Because breath is not only life to our physical bodies, but it's also what brings life to our spiritual bodies. Let me show you another interesting point where God does this. Go to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Why do I say go to the book? I know none of you are going to the book. They're going to go to the book, and you're going to sit back and enjoy the ride. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Paul writes a second letter to, to, to Timothy, and he says, All scripture, not some, not most, all of it, all scripture, is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, this passage is speaking about God's word given to humanity. This is the same word that we have preserved and translated into our known languages today that we read and study, and it guides us, and it still provides correction, rebuke, instruction, and righteousness. It still does that. But do you know, many of you may, that that Greek word that we translate into inspiration literally means God breathed. If you read Young's literal translation, which is a translation of the Bible where it doesn't like flow necessarily in common thought, it's just word for word translation. That's why it's called literal. In literal translation, it says 
Every writing is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, conviction, setting a right, and instruction that is in righteousness. Every writing, the word that you hold, whether it's in a, a copy at your house or on your handheld device or watching, reading up here, this is God-breathed words for humanity. That, he, that every time that God, you look back in Genesis, God breathed upon Adam, he became a living soul. You look at what he talks to Nicodemus, new life, new, new life. Don't, don't be shocked that I'm saying you must be born again. He resurrects, he comes out of the grave, and he says, he breathes on them, the breath of life. They step into the upper room, the, the wind begins to go, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost. And then later, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, oh, hey, the word that God's given it's, it's literally God-breathed because the breath of God is not just giving life to us physically. The breath of God through his word, through his spirit, is what's giving life to us spiritually. God breathed on humanity throughout scripture to initiate physical life, to bring spiritual birth by the infilling of his spirit, and then to breathe on us the word of God that we still read and study and preach from and respond to thousands of years later. Without any one of these things, physical life, spiritual new birth, or the word of God, we would not be alive in any way. We would cease to exist both physically and spiritually without the breath of God in our lives. Because without the breath of God in our lives, we don't have physical being. We're not a living soul. Without the breath of God in our lives, we do not have his spirit and new birth. And without the breath of God in our lives, we don't have his word. And without his word to guide us and, and correct us and rebuke us and encourage us, I don't know, I don't know, I'm thankful for his spirit and his law written on my heart, but I don't know if I could make it without his word. But if he just gives me his word and I don't have his spirit, I don't know if I can overcome it. So notice, I need the breath for physical being, a living soul. I need the breath for new birth. And the infilling of his spirit. And I need the breath of God for his word that is going to lead me, correct me, rebuke me, encourage me, instruct me. And some days I just look in the word and I need a word from God. In something that he breathed long ago, it still is breathing and living today. Because people we love, they get to in a certain, something happens in their life, they get to a certain age and we go to their funeral and we bury them and say, oh, one day we'll see them. His word lives on forever. So what he has breathed long ago is still breathing. It's still giving life. Here thousands of years later, it's still the best-selling book of humanity of all time. Why? Because it's still breathing. It's still alive. It's still, it's still changing lives. It's still encouraging. It's still rebuking. It's still instructing. And so as I bring this series to a close, it's... It's all been about being fearfully and wonderfully made. Our bodies are the most amazing organisms in the universe. Right now, 
your bones are providing structure. They're holding organs and your ribs are there and you're breathing and oxygen is carrying things around and your blood is flowing through your body and your, and your muscles are all twitching and your skin is keeping infections out. And, I mean, like right now there's a million things happening in your body that you're not even aware of. And it's not just, well, cool, thank God for my existence, but it is a reflection he created our physical bodies as a reflection even of the spiritual body, his desire for the, the church. Our bodies, and these intricate systems were made possible when he breathed the breath of life into our body. And it's only after that that our bodies had life and we had our being. But the series did not just show us the wonder of our physical bodies, but also the structure of the body of Christ. The structure of the body, the bones. The life, the covering, the skin, the lifeline, the blood, and now the breath that brings new life. Spiritually, we only took on new life and new birth when God put his spirit inside of us. The body of Christ, the church, it only exists because God decided to breathe new life and new birth upon humanity. When we were born physically, we have human spirit and soul. And even though absolutely a man and a woman came together, but conception was formed when God initiated life. God is still the one that initiates life. And when we're born again, God replaces that heart of flesh and he puts his spirit in us to, to guide us in all things. And, and in be, being born again, we're now a part of the body of Christ. We're a fully functioning element of something bigger than ourselves. But just like our physical bodies that have various parts and they work together for one healthy whole, the body of Christ is made up of individuals who have to come together in unity. But in order to come together in unity, they have to understand two key elements, and that is your place in the body and someone else's place in the body. Because I gave you that example. If you want to say, well, I'm just not a big deal. Just like I said, just, just take your pinky finger right here, the nail, and just rip it out. And you will find how even the tiniest things play a big role in the body. And that's where when he breathes on us and he puts his spirit on us so we have new life spiritually, you're now part of this body of Christ. And you're a crucial component of that. The awesome news about new birth, if you're here and you say, man, this spirit, I've never had that. I've never experienced that. I feel kind of bad. I guess maybe, am I not meant to be a part? No, no, no. The good news is it's, it's for everybody. After Peter gets up and he tells him, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look in verse 39. He says, for, for the promise... It's unto you and your children and, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. It's not something that's like an exclusive club. The Lord's like, I want everybody in my family. I want everybody to be a part of the body. The promise is for everyone, and God is still breathing on humanity. Not only through his word, his word's still breathing, but he's still pouring out his spirit. Like in Acts 2.47, it says he added daily to the church such as should be saved. 
God wants every single day for that body to be growing and for that, that, that church to be growing. The Lord is still looking to add to his church daily. So if you've never experienced new birth, today's the day. Today's the day God is still breathing on his church through his word and through his spirit. Would you stand to your feet? So I hope that none of us will look at this human body the same ever again. Because if you've been here for every week and you've listened to each component of these lessons, we can look at this physical body, even though we might not understand every intricate part, but every single time that you blink your eyes in the mirror and you use your muscles like this and you look down and you see your skin or maybe you see a cut and the blood begins to flow and you, you, you think about that structure and the bones and you think... You take a deep breath and how God gave you that breath and he wants to give you that breath spiritually as he fills you with his spirit that everything in your physical body is a reflection of his plan for his church and it points to the body of Christ. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and not just for scientific research. You are fearfully and wonderfully made because you have a creator that said, I'm going to fashion and design you so that even your very body and the way it functions points to something supernatural, the body of Christ, to which we're called to be a part. I think we could just wrap up this series by finding a place to pray tonight and just to think back over some of the things you heard, not just from tonight's lesson, but past lessons. And we could just begin to thank God for the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you for breathing life into us. Lord God, way back in Genesis, thank you for our life, our conception, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, that you breathe your breath upon your word and your, your word is inspired and it still breathes today and gives us instruction and correction and rebuke and inspiration. God, but we're thankful that you're still breathing today on your people and pouring out your spirit upon all flesh. God, and that's your will for the body of Christ to continue to grow in each integral part to realize how integral they are and how integral is the person sitting next to them. Lord Jesus, thank you that we get to be a part of this amazing and incredible body of Christ here. Help us, Lord God, to function the way you designed us and desired for us to function. Oh, in your name, Jesus. I kneel before your throne. In brokenness I see your face alone. Above you there's no other who's able to restore.